Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the World in Sport, I'm Vinnie Wiley. This week, Samoa appoint an interim sevens coach. Roy Krishna returns to Fiji with the Phoenix. And we look at one of the Pacific Games' most highly anticipated sports, weightlifting. But first, Papua New Guinea created history last week, beating the Netherlands by five wickets in their first ever four-day cricket match. Asad Vala was declared man of the match after anchoring the Barramundi's innings with an unbeaten knock of 124 and combined with Mahura Dai for a 200-run stand for the fifth wicket, guiding the visitors to their victory target of 305 with more than a day to spare. I spoke with head coach Dipak Patel after the game, who said he always had faith his players could come through. You never felt that we were behind the eight ball. We, we just needed to, in many ways, with the bat and ball, just sort of have a couple of sessions where we could get on top of them. The proof was there that uh, these guys can play the longer form of the game because uh, you know, this is the first time they've ever played, let alone a two-day game or three-day game. This is the first time they've ever played a, a four-day game. So that in itself, uh, when you take that into consideration, it's a fantastic feat. And so you came up against the Netherlands side, which of course had home advantage as well. I mean, how much four-day cricket would, would they have played? They've probably played a little bit more than us. Plus, I think that there's probably five, six of them who are involved with either in Australia or even in county cricket. So and I think the one factor that really stood out was the fact that you know, our guys haven't played on turf wicket, that's a grass wicket, for nearly four months. Uh, so we've, we've basically trained on artificial wickets coming to Netherlands and then only having a short period of time to to prepare ourselves. Um, that alone, uh, fair to say that we were well beyond the eight balls. When you take all that into consideration, um, what they've been able to turn around uh, of deficit of 300 runs, um, it's a fantastic effort. You know, you can't speak speak highly enough as far as uh, Asad Dalla's effort was concerned. Uh, a very high-quality international innings where... Yeah, I think that most batsmen in world cricket would have been very proud of the way that he basically anchored our innings and helped uh, Mahuru carry on the good work that he was doing. And very, very unfortunate not to get 100 himself. Did the batting get easier as the days went on? Did the pitch sort of flatten out for the batsmen? Because, you know, 305 did appear to be a, a challenging total at the least um, after what had gone in the first couple of days. But, uh, you know, after losing a couple of wickets early, as you say there, Mahura and uh, Assad, you know, really took the game away from the Netherlands. Yeah, it was never easy. The overhead conditions made a difference, no question about it. Uh, this morning, again, the the overcast conditions were difficult in uh, all three previous innings. Uh, when the sun was out, it was definitely a lot easier to, to bat on that wicket. The overcast conditions helped the bowlers a lot more. And certainly this morning, Assad really struggled. He, 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 he fought very hard. He, 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 what, like I said, he didn't have any rhythm in his batting until probably just before lunch when him and Mahuru put on a 50-run partnership that, that 
they suddenly felt that they felt comfortable batting on that wicket and they just wore their attack down post the lunch break. Thereafter, to be honest with you, they, they made the batting very, very easy uh, on that wicket. Uh, their bowlers had told for most of the day and, and, and our batsmen ground them down and just before tea, it, it looked like that we, we, we could get there comfortably and, uh, and the result proves itself that the five-wicket win on a wicket where the highest score in the three innings was two, 208 runs. So uh, that in itself also proves how well these two batted. And uh, Dipak, after you know breaking new ground in the longer form of the game after four days, your, your first, I guess, proper match for a number of months, uh, you go immediately back to the uh, shorter forms of the game. You've got a couple of 50-over matches coming up soon, and then, of course, uh, next month you've got those World T20 qualifiers as well. So no sooner do you get yourself used to wearing the whites, you go back to the colours. It would have been very nice to be for us to perhaps play another four-day international game uh, a week later. Uh, that would have been even more, from from our development point of, point of view, far more beneficial. But you know, that, that's that's just the reality of international cricket for us uh, in in the next couple of months, and we've got to adapt. Uh, you know, it's a little bit easier. Uh, you know, the the players are a lot more comfortable playing one day cricket. So yeah, we, like I said, we, we'll put the pajamas back on. <laughs> we'll get to Rotterdam and, and and train and try and get our, our one day game into order as well. In terms of the Intercontinental Cup, this was obviously uh, game one and it's a long process, two and a half years and you play home and away. How long till your next match in that? We're still waiting for Afghanistan to uh, confirm uh, a date and, and venue. Uh, it's an away game for us, so we're just waiting on Afghanistan to come back to us to confirm the fixture. So at this stage we're probably looking at probably September, October time. So that's a long time between uh, your last international, so... I suppose it's it's my job now to to put my thinking cap on and, and see how I can arrange some more practice four day games, the similar standard to Afghanistan, so that we're that much better prepared come in the next round. That's the Papua New Guinea cricket coach Dipak Patel. Samoa's interim rugby sevens coach Fata Ali Mulavale Moke admits there's plenty of room for improvement following a horror year on the World Series. The former national assistant coach will be in charge of the manu at next month's Pacific Games in Papua New Guinea after Fuima Ono Titimaya Tafua's contract was not renewed. Fata Ali has also applied for the job full-time and admits he has his work cut out for him. There's a huge uh, challenge in, in terms of trying to uh, see uh, all possible ways to lift the spirit of the team, motivate the, the players and also to have a look at some of the weaknesses that we have noticed in some previous games. Are you able to elaborate on those weaknesses? What I've noticed, there's a lot of uh, basics errors. We need to work on the uh, basic core elements of the game and also try and um, train and teach the boys of the game awareness. It's just a matter of coaching the boys in the right techniques and improve the fitnesses and the strength. And also, I think there is a need for some overseas players because uh, that's other thing that we lack of, the size of players that we find on island. For a couple of those World Series tournaments, such as the Wellington event, uh, the likes of Greg Foy and, and some of those other players that, that are based in New Zealand did turn out for the Manu. Uh, so you mean people like that? Uh, those kind of players, because uh, like uh, Greg Foy, he's got an experience and, and a flair with the game. And also, yeah, he's got everything. But I'm not sure what the previous coach thought of uh, those kind of players. And you're obviously coaching the team over at the uh, Pacific Games in Port Moresby. Are you going to have a full-strength team in terms of 
players that are available for the seven series uh, to take over there or how strong is the team going to be or are you going to try and experiment with some new faces? We're working on preparing a full-strength team in order to get a medal from the SPG. And that Olympic qualification is the big focus now. You want to join Fiji and New Zealand, and most people are predicting it'll be Samoa and Australia battling it out at that Oceania qualifier to get that final spot from the region. Um, Are you likely to still be in charge of the team for that qualifier, or is it possible that the permanent coach will be in place by then? Right now, the SPG is temporary. I think uh, when we come back up from the SPG, then the Samorok Union is still doing process uh, for finding a permanent and a new coach to look after the team for the future. There were 29 names, I think, that put their name forward for that. Were you one of them? Yes. (laughs) So you've got your fingers crossed that something good happens next month and it might help your chances? Oh, yes. This would be another good chance to uh, show the the Samorok Union that uh, I'd raise my hand for the position as a permanent coach. There were some big names also, the likes of Waisali Serevi has applied and some other people who have had previous involvements, the likes of Fa'amoni Lalomelo and obviously Wale Maia was a former player uh, with the team for a number of years as well. So um, are you confident that whoever does get the job that there'll be someone ready and capable to uh, take charge of the team? Oh, yes. Right now there's so many uh, big names uh, in the application list and we'll... Uh, up to the union to make a decision who's going to take over the Manu Samoa Sevens team. That's Samoa's interim rugby sevens coach, Fata Ali Muluvale Moke. Fiji football star Roy Krishna says he's looking forward to running out for the national team this weekend and playing on home soil for the first time in two years. The 27-year-old will play for Fiji in two games against his club side, Wellington Phoenix, in Suva and Mbar, as part of their pre-season tour of the country. The trip is part of a commercial partnership between the Phoenix Fiji Football Association and Fiji Airways, who pitched the idea at the end of last year. Krishna flew home on Tuesday to link up with the national side and says it's nice to be back. It's an honour to be in your country and uh, this is a good time for me. I've been playing Fiji for quite a while now and it will be good for the, for the fans especially to come out and not only support Phoenix but the national team. You've been back to Fiji already since the end of the season. Um, what's the reaction been back there? Obviously, you are pretty well known over there. Uh, are people looking forward to the games? Are they stopping you on the streets? What are they doing? Oh, yeah, yeah of course, they are very proud of me. And uh, everywhere I go, they, they remember me pretty much through football. So I would say they, they're still proud of me. And uh, the chance to play for the national team, uh, irrespective of the fact that the Phoenix are obviously coming to Fiji, uh, the chance to put on the white jersey again, it's, it's been a little while. You must be looking forward to that. Oh, of course, thanks to the country. It's an honour and, um, you know, it's been a long time we haven't played for, for my country and, uh, you know, hopefully the, the crowd can turn up in big numbers and support, uh, support the boys. And uh, it's a good time for Fijian football at the moment. Obviously, the under-20s did very well at the World Cup in New Zealand and the under-23s are about to head to Papua New Guinea for the Pacific Games and the Olympic qualifiers along with the New Zealand team. So, um, you know, plenty to look forward to with, obviously, World Cup qualifiers not far away as well. It's a very busy schedule for football, especially in Fiji, and uh, they did really well in the under-20s. I'm lucky they never qualified, but we did uh, put some great effort and there's a good result against Honduras. But you, know, you can see we still got the depth, and uh, hopefully there'll be more grassroots, and uh, hopefully in, in future we can qualify for the World Cup. But yeah, you know, we're looking forward for this uh, this weekend, and it will be really great this year. And I guess what everyone talks about with Fijian football is finding the next Roy Krishna. I'm sure you've heard that line a million times. David Dome says it. Ernie Merrick says it. Uh, I was speaking to your national head coach, uh, Juan Carlos Buzetti, uh, the other day. He was talking about it as well. And 
you know, with the chance of Fiji playing against the Phoenix and the under-23 teams, uh, if someone impresses, it could be a chance for one of your compatriots to maybe get a trial or, or you know, stake a claim as well. There is a big, huge challenge back at home. We just need um, someone to come out and, uh, and look for them. But, you know, this is a very tricky for the young ones to, to show their talent and uh, hopefully you know, any, they can impress any and get a trial at Phoenix. And uh, what have you been telling your uh, your teammates at the Phoenix about what they can expect? Are they going to get some good hospitality from the Krishna family, or what are they what are they looking forward to? Probably the good weather, I would say. <laughs> but uh, now nah, nah, we are focusing on the football. But I think after football there will be few cover sessions. But yeah, I would definitely take take them out for cover session. You won't be playing at all for the Phoenix in either of the games, or do you think you'll run on for a couple of minutes, or will you play both games full for Fiji? No, I'll play both games for Fiji. And uh, are your teammates looking forward to coming over? Aside from that good weather, it's obviously a, a bit of an awkward time in the season. You know, it's been a while since the A-League finished and still a while till it starts again. So I guess it's sort of in the in the middle of uh, the break and everyone's popping over to the islands. Yeah, of course. You know, like I said, we trained for a week and uh, it was really cold in Wellington. But, you know, it's a good time for us to come together and uh, what a pretty way to start uh, playing in Fiji and uh, in the good atmosphere and hopefully the... The weather will be good, but uh, no, the boys are looking for it, so uh, it will be good fun. And uh, finally, results-wise, uh, what are you what are you hoping, what are you expecting for out of this? Um, do the results matter to you in these games, or is it more about the spectacle and being able to play in front of your home fans, or are you going to be grumpy if you can't get a win? For me, you know, like I said, it's an honour to play for the national team. Both teams are very important to me. You know, I'm just going there to, to share my talent, not only... The council, but also to Andy, that to get my spot in the starting eleven. You know, it's a new season, and there'll be new players. So, I have to prove a point to get in the squad. But uh, you know, I'll, I'll just enjoy myself. And you haven't got a wager on with Glenn Moss if you can get past him a couple of times. <laughs> I'll try to. I'll try to. Hopefully, I can. The Fiji under-23 team will also play two games against the Phoenix Premiers side before heading to Papua New Guinea to contest the Oceania Olympic qualifiers. The strongest weightlifting field in Pacific Games history will be on show in Papua New Guinea next month. The Pacific Games event in Port Moresby is being held in conjunction with the Oceania Weightlifting Championships for the first time. Among the lifters on show will be Glasgow Commonwealth Games gold medalists from Papua New Guinea and Kiribati. Samoa, Fiji and Nauru will also have Commonwealth medalists on show, as well as New Zealand and Australia, who are competing in the Games for the first time. The General Secretary of the Oceania and Commonwealth Weightlifting Federations, Paul Coffer, says that's helped to boost the entry numbers. We have 21 countries with about 260 lifters competing. That's quite a large numbers, really. The biggest entries we've ever had in the history of the sport in the Pacific. And, uh, of course, the uh, real qualification event has a lot to do with it, and, uh, and we expect some excellent results. Could it be fair to say that the weightlifting competition at the Games would be possibly the highest quality in terms of the field uh, of any of the sports? Uh, yeah, no question. Uh, you know, we must remember that we have Dika Tua, the Commonwealth gold medalist, even Kari from Papua New Guinea, another gold medalist, David Katatua, gold medalist. We have almost all the medalists of the Commonwealth Games competing at this event, and I don't think other sports uh, will have that. So in terms of qualification for Rio, for these lifters, is it about getting to a certain standard? There's no limit on how many of them can qualify? or? Oh, there are limits. Uh, I mean, you know, they only had one uh, lifter from a country to qualify. Per, we expect um, New Zealand, uh, 
and uh, Australia, and of course uh, Samoa, uh, Papua New Guinea, Kiribati, uh, Nauru. Uh, we have quite a lot of top lifters, world-class lifters, trying to qualify on their own merit, uh, apart from winning medals at the Games. And uh, Paul, there were obviously uh, a number of medals uh, last year in Glasgow, a few golds in there. Uh, Stephen Kari and uh, David Katatoa, as you say there, Dekatoa, uh, in slightly more controversial circumstances. I know a lot of people are expecting a, uh, looking forward to maybe a repeat of uh, Stephen Kari. Obviously it was uh, you know head-to-head with uh, his Australian counterpart there. A lot of people expecting yeah. uh, the same thing to happen maybe in PNG. Yeah, uh, it will be a very big event between St. Peace and uh, Steve. I think uh, um, Daddy Mister already fully booked and um, we'll have three, three and a half thousand people at the stadium and it's all direct telecast throughout the Pacific. So it will be a major event really. One of the highlights of the event will be the 94 kilo category of course with even uh, St. Peace and uh, and of course, the 53-kilo category also with uh, Dika Tua and uh, Erica Puttyfrost from Australia. That would be another big event. And uh, many other categories, including the 62-category division uh, between Newe Ioane from uh, Samoa and uh, Morea Baru from uh, Papua New Guinea. They're ranking number one and two in the Commonwealth. The, the event will be really of a high standard, world-class standard. There's a number of lifters in the Pacific within the region that have been very strong for a number of years uh, and that people know pretty well. Uh, is there anyone coming through the ranks that's quite new, quite raw, that people should look out for? Yes, in the super heavyweight, there's a young kid coming up from uh, Samoa, very, very talented, and they will push um, either the Tenemo, who's been uh, the king of the super heavyweights in the Pacific and in the Oceanian in the last seven, eight years. But this young kid is coming up very fast from Samoa. Um, also in the 105 categories, uh, David Katatua, the gold medalist, he'll fight another Samoan uh, and uh, an American Samoan lifters um, are coming up uh, very fast too. The 77 categories are very competitive also between Papua New Guinea and Australia. That's in the men. In the women, of course, Elio Pelone from uh, Samoa, she's on her own, really. She's a, a class of her own, and so is Hele Opelona, her sister. There'll be a lot of um, competition in the 69 category, uh, and also in the um, 63 and 58 categories. I think Dika Tua in the 53 will win, and her sister in the 48 category. So I can see six gold medals coming up in the first half a day of uh, on, on the 5th of January, in the first uh, six hours. So medals will go to Papua New Guinea to start with. That's the General Secretary of the Oceania and Commonwealth Weightlifting Federations, Paul Coffer. Before we go, Samoa have been relegated to the second tier World Rugby Under-20 trophy next season after losing to Italy 20 points to 19 at the weekend in their playoff for 11th and 12th place at the Junior World Championship. The baby Manu were up 19 points to 13 with just 9 minutes remaining but conceded two yellow cards and a second penalty try in the closing stages. New Zealand beat England 21-16 in the final to be crowned world champions for the first time since 2011. And five new caps have been named in the Tongan rugby team to contest at next month's Pacific Nations Cup. Melbourne Rebels winger Tailusa Vayanu joins first five Martin Nalfahu, halfback Sosefo Maake, and hooking duo Kalafi Pongi and Sosefo Sakalia in earning a maiden call-up.
The team will meet in Tonga in early July for a training camp before departing for Suva to take on Fiji in the first of their three pool matches for the Pacific Nations Cup. And that's the World in Sport for this week. I'm Vinnie Wiley. As always, thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.